Hello everyone and welcome back to the Council of Elrond, a Lord of the Rings podcast brought to you by the Melonheads where we discuss all things Lord of the Rings and on today's episode we are going to discuss why Elrond is half elven. So where did this title come from and what is the history between himself and his twin brother in case you didn't know he had one. Don't forget to leave us a rating and a review in your podcast platform of choice and also check us out on YouTube. All the links are in the description below. I'm Dave, and as always, I'm joined by your co-host and my brother, Jonathan. Hello. <laughs> we're not twins, though. No, we're not. Um, but he's a pair of there. So hey. before we begin, uh, thank you to all of our patrons. And if you want to support us, that is the best way you can show us any sort of support. But uh, especially financially, because that's the best way. <laughs> Give us some money. <laughs> also, a special thank you to Jack Knightley. So let's get into this episode. The time of the elves is over. My people are leaving these shores. Who will you look to when we've gone? The dwarves. So, Jonathan, did you know that Elrond is half elven? Who? Elrond. Who's he? Do you know, um, the Rond. Oh, Elrondo. Elrondo, ah, yeah. Ah, sorry. So, you need to use his proper title. <laughs> Elrondo. So, Gil-Galad calls him what in the Rings of Power? Oh, we saw him call him Elrond Peredel. Peredel, which, of course, means... Half elven. Yes. So, um, in, in what language? Like, that's in Sindarin. Yeah. It? Yeah. So, Peredel is half elven, and then Peredil means like the plural cool. half elves, which is yeah, all the half elves. Yeah, which is funny that they have a word for that when there's only like a couple of half elves, but sure, look, we'll get into that. Um, we're going to look at why Elrond is referred to as these names because there's more to it than meets the eye, folks. Uh, so I think at first we have to go way back to the beginning of time. No, mm -hmm. just the beginning of Elrond's time. And he was born in the havens of Sirion with his twin brother, which is, what's his name? Elros. Exactly. To his mother and father named... Ooh, um... And you have to pronounce it properly as well. Erendil. Perfecto. And Idril. No. Oh, sorry. I'm getting confused. His, his mother. His mother. Oh, Elwing. Yes, oh, Elwing. So. Um, so Erendil and Elwing and Elrond was born in the year 532 of the first age. Yeah, sorry. I'm always getting confused. Idril is his grandmother. That Yeah, Idril will come up. That old family tree is a... Grandmother. Yeah. Um, so the twins, when they were just six years old... The Havens were attacked by none other than the, the Sons of Feanor, who are a bunch of naughty boys in the book, The Silmarillion. Jerks, some might call them. Jerks, yeah, because if, if people don't know who the Sons of Feanor, Feanor are, they're basically a bunch of lads who took an oath to find the Silmarils at whatever cost, and that could include killing some of their own kin, which they definitely were involved in many a time. It happened. And yeah, in a couple of different kinslayings, but also... If you don't know what the Silmarils are, then they're, what, how would you describe the Silmarils? Well, go. that's what the Silmarillion, uh, that's where it gets his name. Uh, yeah. So the Silmarils are the three precious jewels that contains the light of the two trees of Valinor. And they were exactly. really, really important jewels. And Morgoth really wanted them. He was the big baddie. And mm -hmm. it basically just started a whole like revolution and a war and a kind of a civil war. I suppose. And yeah. it just caused a whole load of bullshit, really. Yeah, it was a whole ordeal. And mm. they were actually created by Feanor and he ended up losing them and then he wanted them back. 
So, and we thought we saw the Oath of Feanor in the Rings of Power trailer, but that just turned out to be nothing. <laughs> it was a little teaser. Oh, yeah, it was a teaser. And uh, yeah, so it not- teased me, but then it didn't give me the payoff. So, <laughs> so we need to know that Elwing, which is Elrond's mother, was actually in possession of one of these Silmarils. Mm-hmm. And when all the sons of Feanor came to sack the, the, the havens of Syrian, she basically saw all these boys coming. She was like, oh, crap. And she decided to just commit suicide and jump into the water, which was a very questionable decision because, like, she had her two sons that were there, twins, at six years old. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, no, screw this, screw them. I'm going to save my Silmaril and just jump into the sea. Um, and if anyone's wondering where Eärendil was, I don't really know. He was just out being a mariner. He was out sailing the seas. That's what he. That's what his passion was. And he was gone for a long time. Kind of like Lord Corliss from House of the Dragon. That's what it just covered. missing father. Yeah, he was just an absentee father. So, yeah, that, that, that's where he was. But luckily for Elwing, she was saved by the Vala of the Seas. Now, do you know who the Vala of the Seas is? Uh, the Vala of the Seas is... Um, I'm just thinking... Oh, Rome. Um no, oh it's my kind of close to the name though. I know. Uh, Flip, what's the first letter? You. Uh, Ulmo. Ulmo. <laughs> yes. Oh God. Ulmo. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Those she, Vala, like, you know, you think you have them. You think you have them nailed down and then the next day you're like, what I was his know, name again? Yeah, God yeah. I me. always get mixed up between like Arome and Aule and Ulmo uh, and all them. But um, um, it's good. We're learning, which is good because yeah. I remember first learning about the, the Valor and just. I couldn't tell any of them apart. I, I didn't know any of their names. I didn't know who was who. Such a racist. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, um, so, Elwing jumps into the sea and, well, does she try to commit suicide? Maybe. But she basically just jumps in uh, because she was lost of hope. Um, but do you know what becomes kind, of her? Kind of like Galadriel then in the Rings of Power, jumping into the sea where it yeah. looks like there's absolutely yeah, no true. hope. It's a terrible decision. But, she kind of just trusts that everything's going to be grand. And I maybe... Wonder, is that some sort of callback or some sort of reference? I think in the series, um, wasn't it in the final episode where Galadriel says something like, oh, I just had to... What was it? I had to trust that this was the, the right thing to do. And it kind of seemed like maybe she was hinting at the fact that maybe she was hoping for a bit of intervention from the, the Valar or yeah. something like that. I don't know. Maybe it was a throwback. But either way, that's what um, Elwing did. Yeah, uh, exactly. So and she did get saved. Yeah, it seems like maybe back in in the Silmarillion days, the Valar were much more hands on. Hands on, yeah. It's mm-hmm. kind of like if you read the Bible, how God was more interfering in matters in the Old Testament, but then the New Testament, he was barely around. And now we see he's barely, barely around. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, Elwing. Do you know what became of Elwing? She didn't necessarily die, but she. She was saved by Ulmo. Elwing, yeah. Uh, oh, hang on, let me get my family tree sorted out because I was getting all confused <laughs> there before. So hang on, I've figured it out because Idril uh, married Tour. Yes, well, they were get into that. Yeah, sorry. So I was going back to that. And then third daughter was Elwing, and she, um, yeah, she married Eärendil. How? What happened to Elwing? She because now I'm going to clue in her name. Yeah, because she flew away. <laughs> she yeah. flew away, away. She did. Um, Safely flew away. You, yeah, you tell the story there because I'm going to get all confused. Oh, I'm well, confuse our listeners. Basically, um, she kind of just 
transforms into a bird or a swan like well it's, it's a white bird i think it says in the in the book so mm. most people imagine her or vision her as a swan and she basically goes in search of Eärendil, so she flies across the seas it's and it. then mm. she basically it says i think it says she bored herself to Eärendil's boat so she basically binds herself to the boat and i don't know if that means she becomes part of the boat kind of like the creatures in Ooh. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean that just like become part of the Flying Dutch, the oh, Flying Dutchman. Yeah. That's what I imagine. Um, so maybe like Erendil's ship has just this cool big sort of like, you know, at the front of a ship. There's yeah, the always stern like, is it? Is that what you call it? Um, yeah, well, the front where you usually have like a mermaid or yeah. What I was gonna say like the actual like sculpture that's in the front yeah. there, the little thing. Uh, it's not a gargoyle, of course, because that'd be like a building or something. Yeah, but, like um, a stone. I don't know what you'd call that, um, but maybe that's where Elwing's hanging out. Yeah, probably. Um, so basically, yeah, and she, and at this point she still has the Silmaril as well in her possession, even though now she's a swan and she's part of a boat. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, meanwhile, back at the havens of, of Syrian, we've got the, the young Elrond and the young Elros, six years old, and they are captured by the sons of Feanor named Maedhros and Maglor. Now there was other sons of Feanor at this battle, like basically this big sacking of the havens of Syrian and a lot of them died. And I think, yeah, Maedros and Maglor, I think their sons, or at least one of their sons were were killed in in this battle. So lots of bloodshed. But Mm. um, yeah, I think personally the decision of both Eärendil and Elwing are questionable because in chapter 24 of the Silmarillion, it reads, Great was the sorrow of Eärendil and Elwing for the ruin of the havens of Syrian and the captivity of their sons, and they feared that they would be slain, but it was not so. So basically, Eärendil, he he's off with his bird wife that's attached to the boat, and he could, in my opinion, he could make a decision or a choice to just turn around and go back for the sons, but um, like he doesn't know how they are or if they're alive or not, but it goes on and it reads... Yet Eärendil saw no hope left in the lands of Middle-earth, and he turned again in despair and came not home, but sought back once more to Valinor with Elwing at his side. So, I don't know what that means. That kind of means that he just abandoned his children yet again and was like, no, I just want to go sailing and I, I want to go to, to Valinor. And actually, I never mentioned this, but it's it's kind of... It's kind of set in Eärendil's heart that he wants to go to Valinor and he wants to sail there. But it's not just to retire. Like. No. He wants to go there and have a word with the Valar. And be like, lads. Yeah, exactly. Come over and help us out, will you? <clears throat> yeah, so, but but I think, I don't know, there's something about him. He's the mariner. He just seems to just love being at sea and he never wants to return home. Again, like my Davy love, Jones. My love and my lady is the sea. The sea is always right. Like that song. Mm. Um, who's that by? I don't know. Can't remember, but it features heavily in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Oh, does it? Hmm? Sing it again. It's it's about, and it's like um, Kurt Russell, who plays uh, the the God character. Ego. Ego. He quotes the lyrics to that song later on. He says, you know, oh, I wanted to like spend time with your with your mother, Peter. But, uh, Peter. But my, uh, like the like the lyrics of the song, my, um, my life, my love and my lady is the sea. So it's like, I couldn't bind myself to one woman. It was just the sea. 
was the one oh, for me. All right. And does Chris Pratt say, did you just say lyrics of some song or? I can't remember that much. Now, she that movie I just remember being like, ah, love that song. <laughs> love Kurt Russell as well. Mm. So anyways, back to um, the twins. So they're captured by both Maedros and Maglor, but Maglor in particular pitied the twins and he ends up actually raising them and he grows to love both of them. And I think this is because in that battle he had lost, I think it's two sons. Oh, I don't know. And I don't know their names, but I'm pretty sure there was, you know, a, a two son hole left in his heart <laughs> that he needed to fill. So it's like, it's like when you're, the family dog dies and, and everyone's so upset. And then there's like really, I don't know, um, like an uncle or something. Cause he's like, I, I see your Labrador, your, your Labradoodle just died. Here is a new Labradoodle. And you're like, it's not the same thing. It's not the right yeah, time. Yeah, but this is worse. It's like your children were butchered in a massacre. And it's like, well, you're some, some new kids. children. Yeah. You go, that's the same, right? Yeah, so they were at first in captivity, but, you know, kind of like the, what do you call it? The, what's that effect? The the capital of, oh, God damn it. The Stockholm effect. Stockholm, yeah. <laughs> the Stockholm syndrome. So it's kind of like the opposite of that, where the captors become in favor of the, the captured. So, yeah. So anyways, shortly afterwards, the War of Wrath begins from the years 545 to 587 of the First Age. And this is this is something that Arendil is actually going off to get the Valor to intervene with, right? Yeah. So right. So that comes a bit later. So both sons of Feanor that we mentioned, uh, Maglor and Maedhros, uh, they both died or basically are lost um, after this war. Not particularly in the war, I think. So it says that Maedhros dies in a fiery chasm, so that could be anything. Whereas Maglor, he actually. We're not going to get into it, but after this war, he ends up coming into possession of a Silmaril and he just chucks it into the sea. But so does the other lad. Both of them do. Maglor. Yeah, like in the fiery chasm. He yeah, but he's there with the Silmaril. Exactly. But he's dead. I know, yeah. But the other guy, he's not so much dead. He's just kind of lost. He chucks his Silmaril into the water and it is said that he still wanders the shores to these days. And I think he's singing some lovely tune. But Haunting tune, probably. Yeah, but great. yeah, it's but basically... Random. The, they managed to reclaim the other two Silmarils and they kind of got driven mad by them mm. because they were so beautiful. Br- Not that they were so beautiful, but they were so <laughs> the, 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 the light was so bright in them that it kind of like, it was almost a burning light. Mm. And I remember it like, it burned, um, whichever one, I think it was Maglor, it burnt his arm or something and it just, the pain drove him insane. Yeah. And he ended up just like jumping into a fiery chasm with the Silmaril in order to just like kill himself and take the Silmaril with him. And so and basically, the three Silmarils ended up one ended up in the sky, one ended up in the sea, and one ended up in the fires of the earth. Mm. So there was like the three different elements. The elements. Mm. So there you go. Uh, that was the fourth element. Oh, but yeah, Maglor. I actually remember that. Uh, it's interesting that you bring that up because I remember the early days of the Rings of Power TV show. Lots of people thought, oh, maybe Adar could be Maglor because he's a elf. Mm. He looks evil. Not that Maglor was completely evil, but, you know, he was twisted with the whole Oath of Feanor. But also the fact that you said there he had a Silmaril and it physically burnt his hand. And a lot of people said, oh, I wonder, Adar, he wears one hand that's like covered in like armor, basically. Mm. So that was a theory that was running around. And I thought that was a cool one as well. That could have been cool. But yeah, I don't know. Is it hearsay that Maglor died in a fiery chasm or... Is that confirmed? But sure. Wait, who's who now? Which one died? Was it was it Maedros or Maedros that died in the? Fiery um, chasm? Oh, sorry, Maedros. Maedros died in the fiery chasm. Who? 
So Maglor. Maglor. Oh, so he's the one that's still alive, but that Silmaril burnt his hand still. No. I do. <laughs> We're getting all confused here. We need to... Anyway. Get back to Elrond. <laughs> yeah. This was not like in the preparation of this episode at all. We've so. read this stuff ages ago. We need to... It's hard to remember all that stuff. Also, who's the son of Aeol? Of who? Aeol the elf. The dark elf. The oh, guy God. that... I Didn't I play him in some... Uh, someone's video? No, no. You played the... the we, we played I, these two boys. The, the two sons of... Oh, Aeol. you... Yeah, you played Kurfin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. We're, we're going off. I thought songs. I played Aeol. No, you didn't play Aeol. I was going to say. I played him. I played him somewhere. <laughs> played him in your heart. But anyways, um, so after that, these two sons of Feanor are gone, dead, or just vanished, this basically leaves the poor twins, Elros and Elrond, on their own at the young age of 58. It doesn't seem that young, but, you know, young for an elf. Think of like Baby Yoda. Exactly, yeah. So Baby Yoda, when he's like 50, he still can't speak. So That's what elves are like. <laughs> <laughs> so it is at this moment that the Valar... Who we've mentioned them loads of times, but they're basically the gods of Middle Earth, in case anyone doesn't know what word we're talking mm. about. The Valar give the twins a choice whether to be counted among the elves and continue to be immortal, or whether they want to be counted among the Edain, which is like the fancy name for men, yeah. uh, and receive the gift of mortality, as it's called in the book. And of course, we know Elrond chooses what? So Elrond, we know he becomes an elf. Yeah, or stays an elf, I suppose. Stays an elf. And then Elros chooses to be counted among men. Um, and so basically, after that decision, the twins depart and Elros followed his father's star, Eärendil, and the star is basically... That's one of the Silmarils. One of the Silmarils, yeah. So now, that's just the, before you skip on, yeah, the reason that the Valar gave this choice to um, Elrond and Elros, it wasn't just like, oh... Just for the crack. It was like because Eärendil had sailed to Valinor to plead for help from the Valar in the war against Morgoth. Mm -hmm. Then he asked for more. Well, he asked the Valar to come. They ended up coming. They win the war. They kind of break the earth. And there's a big ordeal. Mm -hmm. And a, they like you know, sink basically half of the continent. Yeah, Beleriand is just gone, wiped yeah. out. And... Because basically Eärendil himself was also half elven. He was the one who was able to go and sail and speak to the Valar on behalf of both elves and men. Um, and Good. so because of all these things that happened, then um, the Valar basically said, look, because you guys have basically saved Middle-earth from coming over and making this big plea while you're on your father's behalf, we'll now give you the choice to decide if you want to be counted among the elves or among the men. Because Eärendil had gone over and made this plea on behalf of both. Because other people had gone before. Um, uh, other elves, for example, had gone before to try and make this plea to the Valar. But they said, no, we need someone to plea on behalf of the men as well. Mm. And they were like, what? Why do we need that? Sure, just come on. Can you not see that Morgoth's, you know, raining fire and blood over there. Can we not please somebody come and help? And they were like, nope, we need someone who can speak on behalf of both men and elves. And, and that was He was the Aaron perfect Lee. man to do it. Or yeah. elf. Or perfect elf person. Man. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's absolutely perfect. So, so I can I just, just like skip over that part in my notes. So, so you said it all perfectly well. Oh, sorry. I thought maybe... Uh, oh, no, no, no. Like that, no, I was, I, was going to, I was going to ask you that anyway. So oh, All right, well, there you go. Jeez. You hit the nail on the head and you didn't even know it. Um, I do think it is funny though how how you mentioned and you're absolutely right like the Valar gift this um, or they give the the, the the choice as a gift 
but <laughs> for saving the world. But it's like, well done for coming over here and asking us to save the world. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. Good job, you. Or uh, it kind of reminds me of, you know, Zootopia, where they go to investigate and they talk to that. <laughs> the sloth? The, no, they, oh. they, they talk to that like creature, the smelly creature who's like, oh, the elephant remembers everything. And basically he's trying to give get the information out of the elephant, but he's the one that remembers everything. And the elephant's like, no, I, I don't remember. Oh, and he's yeah. like, yeah, you do. They had the license plate that said L3492. Like, you remember that? And the, the elephant is like, no, I don't remember. He's like, yeah, you do. He's got a blue jumper and yeah, like, yeah, a red yeah, hat. Yeah, and he's like, well, oh, elephant's, elephant's man. genius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's what the Valor are like. Well done for saving the world. But yeah. Um, oh, yes. So before, so after that, um, yeah, where are we? So Arendil, anyways, he's got one of the Silmarils, which is the one that his wife has given him. And it's kind of become the light of Arendil, the star. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like the shiniest light in all of Middle Earth. And everyone looks to this star. But anyways, that's where that's what Elros decides to follow over the sea, which led him to where, Jonathan? Sorry. So Elros oh, basically sorry. decides he wants to get in a boat like his old man and go sailing yeah. the seas. And he follows the, the light of Eärendil, which is his he father's He follows star. the light and that takes him to Numenor. Numenor. Yes, Numenor was, again, another gift from the Valar, which is newly risen land that was gifted to the Edain. And there... Elros becomes the first king of Numenor, and do you happen to remember what he changed his name to? It's a bit difficult, but I wouldn't have a clue, no. So uh we have in the Tar something. Exactly, yeah. We have Tar we have Tar Palantir in Tarmac. <laughs> Tarmac Adam. <laughs> um yeah, we have Tar Palantir in the Rings of Power TV series and um but all the kings went as Tar for some reason. Yeah. I think it means something. King. <laughs> does it? Maybe, maybe it does, yeah. Um he became Tar Miniature. Ah yeah. First yeah, king yeah. of Numenor. Yeah. Like oh, I knew that, yeah. you know them all, but like No, but I, I always remember that one because it sounds like one of those like kind of Minotaur. Minotaur, yeah. yeah. Like, is that the, like half horse, half man thing? It's like half bull, half Yeah. Yeah. It's like a man's body with a like a with a bull's head and body. It's the thing that's in the, the labyrinth. In that old. How do you pronounce period. it? Minotaur. I, I thought Minotaur, it was yeah. like Minotaur. You could say Minotaur, but you'd be incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think do, some people do say Minotaur, but those know. people are weirdos. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds weird. Um, to me. So he was Tar. Tar Minotaur. Minotaur. I so knew there's, it was a, there's a Y in there, anyways. So uh, I was going to ask you why. Did they get the opportunity to choose between men and elves? I spoiled it. I'm sorry. Well, no, you spo- yeah, you spoiled it, but there's there's more there's more reason. So, okay, let's just um, I'll let you I'll let you answer. But Aragorn and Arwen are one of three man and elf unions in all of Tolkien's writing, and that well, it's four if you include <laughs> Bronwyn. Don't even do it. Aaron Don't even Deer. do it. But in fairness to the TV show, like a lot of people were annoyed by that, but I did like how. It was taboo for them to be together. It wasn't just like a thrown away thing. And one of the elves says to Aaron Deer, like, you know, there's only been three of these, two. or no, two of these ever before at the time, because this is before Aragorn and Arwen. And he's like, and they both ended in tragedy. So I, I do like how it's known, or, you know, the writers didn't completely ignore the fact that this is yeah, a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
they're not there making some world where elves are just hooking up with, with uh, humans all the time. Exactly, yeah, because I think that's what, what people thought, like, oh, if there's going to be an elf-man relationship, maybe it's not important to the showrunners at all. Mm. But anyways, uh, where are we? Also, uh, just to go back on that thing where a mm-hmm. lot of people said, oh, I, I've got a theory that Theo is the son of Bronwyn and um, uh, what's Arondir. Name? Arondir. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's absolutely no way of that because in the part where... It's not even when they have the kiss, I don't think. It's when he says something like, um, when she says something like, oh, it's almost like a kind of a, um, a Eowyn moment where she's like, don't you know? or something. And he's like, I've told you a hundred yeah. times in every way but words. Yeah. Basically that, you know, he, he does have feelings for her. He does like, you know, he, lo- he does love her or whatever. And so if she's still unsure about whether or not he's into her, <laughs> And they have a child together. <laughs> then that doesn't really... She could be a salute. But also, we need to remember the elves are just this kind of race. They're like swans, you know. They make penguins. Yeah. Where they have one mate. And if that mate dies, that must suck like. Mm. Imagine, yeah, imagine if Bronwyn did die and that's in the first season. Poor Iron Deer. He'd be distraught. Well, look, whether she dies in that... In, in, whether she died in that battle or she dies, you know, 30 years from now or exactly. 40 years. She's going to die. the same. And he's just going to be like... Damn it. <laughs> She's a woman in middle age time and like, you know, no one had great life. And their lot was unhappy, I think, according to Tolkien, <laughs> was, the, was the quote. They so unhappy lot. So we have um, Aragorn and Arwen and who are the other unions of... The union so, of women. <laughs> <laughs> who are the other unions of men and elves? So we have, um, well, Elwing and Erendil. Well, okay, right. Yeah. So, so first of all, going back to not really, they're not really. They're, they're yeah, yeah. They, That's well, not a union of men oh, and elves. Okay, fair enough. Right. So going to their going to Elrond's grandparents, mm. which is Tour and uh, Idril. Yes, they Tour is a man cousin of Turin, mm-hmm. uh, Turin Turumbar, and Idril is of the house. Of I don't know. Oh, she's a, a daughter of your man, uh, the king, Turgon. Right. Or I don't have any of this written down. Oh, okay, so yeah. You're right. just spoofing, but uh, it's good spoof. No, no, well, because good, she's yeah. an, either the daughter or like the granddaughter or something of Turgon. No, the daughter of Turgon. Because remember, it was Turgon who left the the um, the it? shield and the sword in the cave, and then Ulmo appears to tour. Ah, right. Okay. And then, you know, all that spiel. Okay. And then, um, so that's the first one. Mm hmm. What's the other one then? Oh, the other one is the most famous one. Oh, Baron and Luthien. Yeah. The most famousest of hobbits. And then bo- both of those end up... So then Baron and Luthien, their son is... I'll get it. And <laughs> what's, his, <laughs> what's his fucking name? Is it, it's like John or something very normal. But <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, yeah. No, what's his name? I don't know. I don't know. You don't know? I'm letting you know, I thought you'd written down. I'd, all I had, the only thing I had written down was... Adriel and Tour were basically on the, the the twins' father's side. Yeah. But on the mother's side is Baron and Luthien. Yeah. That's their ancestors. So Baron, and also Luthien is the daughter of uh, Melian. Mm-hmm. And, and so she is uh, like... She, she's she, part Maya. Or she, part Maya. She's part Maya. But so is Elwing, I believe. Yeah, because Elwing is the daughter of... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I actually have so at the, confused. At the end of this episode, I'm gonna break down something. Someone has like done the mathematical equation of like exactly how half elven 
Elrond is. Exactly, because I'm like, they all, he's always half Elrond. I'm like, he's definitely not because his father's at least half, and then his mother's got a bit of, got a bit of bad in her. Your well. mother was a donkey, <laughs> and your father was a hamster. <laughs> That's it. And your mother smelled of elderberries. Oh, the other way around, yeah. Or I don't know. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got the right. The, the, those are basically so. Th- at this point in time, there are two huge union of men and elves, and that's Idril and Tor. And then there's uh, Baron and Luthien, and both of their descendants ended up smushing, uh, <coughs> getting together, and therefore we've got Erendil and Elwing coming together and having the sons Elros and. But there was also, Elwing. as we said, uh, Amaya thrown in there just oh, for yeah. just for the crack. <laughs> that was a weird, weird weekend. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, anyways, I think we should move on. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so, as we said, mortality is a gift from Eru himself, who is the god of Middle-earth. Elros accepted it on behalf of his descendants. Uh, Elrond did not. But the gift was still on the table, so basically that's why we see Arwen and her brothers. Spoiler alert, Arwen has some brothers. They had the chance to accept it on their own behalf. But Elros's descendants had already been given it before they were born. So that's why some people might be like, why? Why is it that Elrond's children get to decide, you know, this um, decision again? But like Elros, all his sons are just going to be men. Elros made the decision for his descendants, which is kind of sad. But um, Elrond and Elros were given this choice and all other half-elves to come. Sorry, yeah. And all other half-elves to come. So like, I, I think, like we never hear of, but we do hear of Arwen's son, obviously, but she's chosen a mortal life. But the other two, her brothers, I don't know. Do we ever hear of their sons? Like, basically, if they had kids, they would have also gotten the choice to be men or elves as well. Um. So, yeah. Very good. Um. Yeah. And this is where, yeah, so I said Arwen gets to make the decision and she basically becomes a man. Or <laughs> she becomes an Edine. She becomes part of the race of men. So, Johnny, why do you think Elros chose mortality? Uh, oh, jeez. It's a deep mm. question. Um, well, first of all, if anybody's wondering, like, why in the hell would anybody even consider choosing to become a man? What in the of- hell is diversity? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. Um, basically, in the world, in Middle Earth uh, at the time, it, mortality was given to men by the god Eruluvatar, and it was considered a gift. It was it was uh, his gift to to men, to the race of men, that they would die, and then they would go off, and nobody really knew what would happen to the race of men. Everybody knows, uh, in that land at least, everyone knows that the elves are immortal. But if they are killed, for example, if they die from uh, I don't know battle, battle or yeah. something like that, or sickness they don't really get sick but and they heal quickly but like yeah battle mainly yeah but if they can be you know like the torment that elwing receives or um calabrian receives for example she gets sort of not like wounded but she gets like she can't really stay in middle earth anymore and she needs to leave and go back mm. to, to valinor and all that kind of stuff anyway if you're an elf and you get killed in battle for example your spirit just floats back to valinor and you just become immortal there as well so the elves are immortal their bodies can be killed, but their spirits are just immortal. And everybody knows, oh, sure, look, you just go back to Valinor and then that's fine. And um, it's just a fact. Everybody knows it. Whereas men, when men die, nobody knows what happens to their souls. Nobody knows where they go. So they kind of, they're like, they go beyond the, the circles of the world. So there's just a lot of mystery. And it's kind of like this 
you know, um, she's, I wonder where they go. Yeah. You know, it's kind of this mystery and it's almost like this. But it's kind of fun for them. It is fun for them. That's what I'm saying. So it's kind of like when they had that kind of thing, it was like, do you want to become an elf and you know what your fate is going to be? You know where ultimately you're going to end up or you can become a man and you can just sort of take on that mystery and be a bit of like a, a voyager. <laughs> it's kind of like adventurer. Do you ever see those? <clears throat> do you ever see those videos? I think it's like Mr. Beast, the the YouTuber, and he he goes up to people and he's like, "Okay, you can put your hand in this box and you'll get a thousand dollars, or else you can put your hand in this box and it's a mystery. You don't know what you're going to get." And then like most people put their hand in and get the thousand dollars, but he's like, "Oh, you just missed out on like five hundred thousand dollars or whatever, or like you know, or it could be a sandwich either." But that's what like men decide to do. It's like, "Oh, will I? Will I just? Will I just?" Like, or sorry, when you're making the decision to become a man, it's like, will I just take the easy option to go for that thousand dollars or will I put my hand in the mystery box? You never so know maybe, what you're going to get. Maybe when you die, you just become a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> that is the moral <laughs> of the story. <laughs> I've got to be confused there. I'm hungry. I want a sandwich. <laughs> oh man, I'm so hungry too. Um, sandwiches after this podcast? I can't pause the podcast. Damn, no. Uh, right. Uh, sandwiches after the podcast. But yeah. Um, so yeah, why did Elros choose more sandwiches? <laughs> don't avoid the question. I was, I was definitely avoid. I was like, no, so but, uh, why would one choose? I don't there, know. There's um, no concrete answer for this. But like, oh I'm God. just I'm just asking, like, why do you think he would have chosen mortality? Um, there's definitely an intelligent answer in there somewhere that I don't have in my head. <laughs> don't possess it. I do not possess it. Yeah. Um, uh, so I don't know. I mean, you, can you enlighten me? Ah, well, look, I have some generic crap here. I've got <laughs> so obviously nobody fully knows, but perhaps he had seen enough misery in the elves and wanted to change. But this is strange because he is so young. Like he's fifty-eight when he makes it, this decision. I would understand. Was he that young when he made that? Oh, yeah, they were fifty-eight when basically they oh were given God. this choice by the Valor, and you would understand if you know. There's a lot of miserable elves. If that he'd lived thousands. Yeah, yeah, if he'd lived to be like. 40,000 years, he was like, oh, another birthday. And yeah. then he like, I can't, wear, I can't even fit these candles on the cake anymore. And uh, <laughs> He's a 40,000 candle cake. Yeah, no, but perhaps it's because he actually fell closest in spirit to the Edain. And perhaps there was also a deep knowing in, like, instilled in his heart that he, that the Edain actually needed his leadership in the, the future to come. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there was going to, be this new land, Numenor, and there was going to be a king, and it was his destiny to become that. So I don't know, it, like it's it's just kind of destiny in Tolkien's world. It wasn't really we don't get into the mind of Elros and know what his decisions were, but yeah, it, it he he was destined to become the first king of Numenor. He felt akin with <laughs> the men of Middle Earth and became there a king. He became a king. He did. He did. So mm. what about Elrond? Why does Elrond choose immortality? This one's a little bit more set in stone. Funny short answer, but um, um, is it something to do with his father? It's just to do with elves in general, the race of elves, and the state of Middle Earth, <laughs> the absolute state of it. State of the gap. Well, he definitely knew that he needed to like protect Middle Earth. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just gonna bluff an answer because I don't. Yeah, uh, yeah, bluff away. Um, like oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I can cope with a satisfactory answer now. To well, Elrond, like he 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 loved the elves, and he he was like the the ma- the lore the 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 lore master as well, and mm-hmm. he knew that like his knowledge was going to be important. He also was foresighted, so 
he he was he was going to be a huge asset going forward in like yeah. the wars of Middle Earth and just like in order to be able to finally rid the world of evil. And he probably just maybe selfishly knew, look, they need me out there. So yeah. I'm going to just stick around because if I become a man, maybe I could live a nice, peaceful... Um, his brother, Elros, became a man. He lived to 500. So he could like, I could live a nice to 500 and then, you know, make my way out and just say, see you later, lads, and, you know, you know, take the easy way out. But maybe he knew it was more of a sacrifice to say, I'm going to stay and I'm going to live on in these tough times in Middle Earth. I'm going to try and bring know a bit of peace back a bit of prosperity and i'm going to try and help the race that i'm also a bit of a spokesperson for this race because he's like half elven as well mm. he's you know he's kind of and it was like a special thing i suppose then to be half elven because yeah. as we know there was so few of them it's not so special to gil gallad though because he just goes elrond peridale ah, that's gil gallad from the rings of power <laughs> that's not that's not my gil gallad <laughs> not my gallad it's not my truth well, Elrond, yeah, he, he sympathized with the race of elves and you're right, his, I actually don't know when he gained all his powers and abilities. Like, so Was this. any of my bullshit there, Drew? <laughs> kind of like, no. he, he, he wanted to assist the elves in healing the hurts of the, of the world. I did that Yeah, like you, more or less, you were there, you were, you were around the gaff. So, mm. um, so yeah, he just basically, I, no, what, what you said actually makes me feel even better about the answer that he... Oh, thank you. He was assisting it, not just because, like, oh, I'm one of the, like, thousands and thousands of elves here, but he actually had good powers going forward. So I don't know, was he born with the powers of foresightedness and healing and all that kind of stuff? But maybe he was, probably. Maybe. Like, when he's 58, he probably already was quite an expert in these powers, and he was like, no, no, I'll take one for the team, I'll stay back, I'll be an elf, and I'll continue to master in these abilities and help heal the world. Mm. So... You just mentioned it literally there two seconds ago, but I was going to ask you, was Elros, after he made his transition to a man from an elf, uh, was he just an ordinary man or mm, what no, kind of man was he? he? was not. No. He was a big man. <laughs> <laughs> he was huge. Yes, he was huge. Yeah, he was right, giant. He was a big man. He's like, how big was he? <laughs> <laughs> there are rumors. <laughs> um, he was like, Two meters tall or something. I don't have the answer, but like, uh, if we're going by men in Numenor, they're oh, all huge, huge yeah, like yeah. seven foot or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. And so he was a big, big man. But what else? You, you, you mentioned man. something else that was peculiar about this man. His age. Yes. So he lived to 500 years. 500 years. Yeah. So because he was originally born an elf and then he transitioned into a man, mm. he basically, you know, he had a he had different blood. He had different blood genes. And this they, was also like a little secret secondary gift that the Valar gave it him. It was a little bit of like sugar on top. Yeah, know? it was like okay, icing you, on the cake. You, you know? could change, like you could have the ability to change, but you, you can stay older a little bit. It was longer. like a little negotiation tactic where they were like, <laughs> which would you like to be? Would you like to be a man and you die or you would you like to be an elf and you just live on in this whatever, the, the, the this stage, this world. land that we've just broken half the earth. And they're, he's like, what if I become a man, but you just you just pump up my my, my life expectancy a little <laughs> Could bit. Could you sweeten the deal up? Could you up there a bit? <laughs> and so he lived on to be the longest living man of 500 years. And he yeah, started well the race of the Numenorians. As mm. we know, he founded Numenor. And all of his uh, descendants became the Numenor. How many children did he have? Oh, how many children? I don't know. He must have had a load. Because, like, I mean, he started the race of the Numenorians. What? And they're all like, descendants of him. 
Yeah, but that's uh, why they're all lo- like long living uh, people as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's, it's thousands of years as well, and they all had they all. I suppose they all had to inbreed in there. <laughs> They don't like mention it per se, but they all came from the one person. So yeah, sure. It's like what we were talking about the other day with your man Charlemagne. Yeah, Charlemagne. Whatever is that his full name? I don't know. The ancestor of Count Dooku or Sir Christopher Lee. <laughs> so I put this up on Twitter, and then I was corrected by someone who seems to be not corrected, just like enlightened. Enlightened, yeah, no, no, yeah, enlightened by someone who seems to be an uh, expert in Charlemagne and everyone's descendantry in Europe. And apparently, if you're from Europe, you're we're all we're all descendants, we're all brothers and sisters of some lad, yeah, called so, Charlemagne. Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, Are you man? Um, I was gonna say Charlemagne. I was gonna say Carl Drogo. Um, <laughs> uh, your man, uh, the, the the Mongol. Oh, um, Khan, Khan, Emir Khan, Oliver <laughs> Khan. No, um, Genghis Khan, Genghis. Yeah, yeah. but we understand Not he banged football. half of China, so like. <laughs> Yeah, all of Mongolia and China was just like they're all related to him, and all in Europe were all related to this lad Charlemagne. So yeah, but but I look. I but Charlemagne didn't give us any fucking long life. He only had yeah, he only had eighteen kids though, which and he probably lived to about you know forty two. He's still going now. He's still going around now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you've you've touched on everything perfectly. Well, he lived to five hundred years old. He started the line of kings, and who's who would you say would be his most noticeable descendant that people would know of who? Of Charlemagne. No, of... Um, Elros. Elros. Um, so line of kings, which eventually led down to whom? To, well, to Elendil and Isildur. Exactly. And to Aragorn. And to Aragorn. Yes, so um, for any book or film fans, Aragorn comes from the lineage of Elros, mm-hmm. which is weird because he ends up marrying Elrond's daughter. So that's why, again, it's not incest, but like... It was like there's a lot of generations. generations oh, there's probably more, isn't it? Maybe is it? I can't remember the number. I almost counted up for. But also, we need to remember that these generations are also Numenorean generations, so they're extra long. Yeah, but again, like you you mentioned already, that Elros was the longest man. He was like mm. the Methuselah. So after that, like people's lives just started getting lower and lower. But we know Aragorn lived to two hundred and ten. Two ten. Two ten, which was a great number. So. You know, by the time he died, it was just less than half, uh, half of the lifespan of Elros. So yeah, um, so we of course see Numenor in Amazon's TV show The Rings of Power, and it's set thousands of years later, where we have the faithful versus the faithless, and this whole topic of mortality and immortality. I it's, can't get um, no sleep. <laughs> do, 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 do. That faithless? Oh, that's all. <laughs> Is it? I thought, is that the name of it? Faithless is, yeah. I thought that was Sandstorm. No, no, no. That's Faithless. All right, okay. Um, so anyways, the whole topic of mortality and immortality is very prevalent amongst uh, Numenorians, and this will certainly play a vital role in the fate of Numenor, no spoilers, and the TV show coming ahead. So are you looking forward to seeing what becomes of Numenor in, or like this whole development of the faithful and faithless oh and yeah like this yeah. like they touched on it a good bit in the first season yeah I was I was um, I pointed out in one of our episode breakdowns that I was really happy that um, Elendil um, has a little moment where he thinks Isildur is dead and so he kind of 
you know, uh, gets angry and he gets angry at the gods and he's like, curse you. And he's like, I big harder, son, <laughs> that whole thing. And he, we, we, we get this kind of moment of, oh my God, is he going to turn away from the path of the faithful? And I was saying, I hope to God the next episode, mm. he's back on track. And that's exactly what happened. He was back. He was like, okay, sorry, I had a little moment there. Mm. I just had a little tantrum, which is understandable as well. He just like, oh, my son's dead, you know. Which, um, but I like in the show how they didn't give us too much of Numenor. Like they only they only introduced it in the third episode, and you know then they. Oh this, God, I want to see more Numenor. They had this whole thing where they go to Middle Earth, and you know that's kind of. I just didn't think that they would really get into the whole faithful and and people that are siding with men, like people that are only for men, and then you've got the likes of Elendil, who is still one of the faithful, and mm. he still has. Um, allegiances with the elves and all that so i didn't really think much of that would come into play in season one but they've definitely more than set the groundwork for yep. later seasons. oh it's gonna be good it's so be good. yeah so that's great i'm that just glad out. they're not gonna have to introduce this whole concept and idea in season two and be like right so basically by the way numenor is split and not in the way that it will come <laughs> but um not even half it seems mm. like it's all it's, you yeah, know, it's for the men but yeah. basically you've got a couple of little pockets of people hiding being like mm. are you one of the faithful me <laughs> too nice one so, um, yeah, that kind of wraps up most of the episode. I did say, however, that I, I wanted to read out some something that I found on hmm. Cora Digest. So, Andrea Levo on Cora Digest, um, he has determined that Elrond, however, is not half-elven in his mathematical breakdown. So, the rest of this is going to be a quote from him. So, I'm sorry. His name I'm, Andrea. Andrea, yeah. Andrea Levo. Is that, a, that could be a woman. Could be a girl. Andrea. Could be, or could Andrea. be... Or Andrea. Or it could be Andre. Andre. I don't know. Anyways, Andre. Andre or Andrea. We're very sorry. We don't know if you are. <laughs> don't worry. They're probably not listening. This was probably written years ago and they're dead now. No, just, just kidding. Back in the 80s. Yeah. So anyways, he says, or she says, First, the term half-elven is not limited to children who are a percentage elf and a percentage human. It applies to anyone who is a percentage elf. For example, Luthien, who was half-elven, was 50% elf and 50% Maya. So that was something that we kind of touched on a little bit there. So also, allowing for Luthien, your percentage would be off. Elrond's grandparents were Tour, who was 100% human, Idril, 100% elf, Nimloth, 100% elf, and Dior, 50% human, 25% elf, and 25% Maya. Dior, that was Maya. the name I was looking for before. Dior, yeah, yeah. I was like... Dior I, has rough. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Dio, but uh, Dior is like I'm that. I'm trying to make Lord of the rings -y. Okay. Okay, go on. I was going to say Dior like the... the like the brand? The brand. Like the Johnny, the Johnny Depp brand, isn't it? Is he Dior? I think he's the Dior ambassador. Well, maybe not Ambassador Dior. Ambassador So Dior's parents were Luthien. So Nimloth Luthien. was the other the other one there. <clears throat> Nimloth, Because yeah. Nimloth is... What's, what else is Nimloth, Dave? What? What else does Nimloth mean? Nimloth? Hmm. Is this a Lord of the Rings thing? or yeah. is this, Oh, right. Nimloth. Question uh, for you. Oh, God, there's a place named, or a thing named after Nimloth, isn't there? Nimloth is a thing. Oh, it's, is it a leaf or a plant? It's the white the tree. tree. The tr Ah, the, 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 the leaves the, of Nimloth. The white tree in ah, Numenor yes. is called Numenor. the Nimloth. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say Numenor. I know, yeah. Without Numenor. Yeah. So, <laughs> basically then the white tree of Gondor, ah, yeah. of Minas Tirith, that we see in Lord of the Rings, is... 
one of the seeds of the Nimloth is taken by Isildur and it's taken to Middle-earth and he plants that and he creates the white tree. So it's a seedling of the Nimloth. Mm. So there you go. You're getting lots of great facts here on uh, the Council of Elrond. There you go. Oh, the Council of Elrond. We're talking about... We should call it the Council of Elrond Half-Elven. <laughs> That's what we should call today's episode. Maybe we might. We might edit that in. Anyways, uh, Luthien, who was half-Elven, was 50% Elf and 50% Maya. So also allowing for Luthien... Um, I, I'm just reading these exact quotes, so maybe they're arguing with someone. They, they say your percentage would be off. So Elrond's parents were Tour who's 100%... Oh, did I read this one already? Mm. Sorry, 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 sorry. Tour, 100% human, and Idril, 100% elf, had Eärendil, who's 50% human, 50% elf. Dior, 50% human, 25% elf, 25% Maya, and Nimloth, 100% elf, and Elwing, 25% human, 62.5% elf, and 12.5% Maya. So finally, Eärendil, 50% human, 50% elf, and Elwing, 25% human, 62.5% elf, and 12.5% Maya, had Elrond and Elros. This would make Elrond and Elros 37.5% human, 56.25% elf, and 6.25% Maya, elfin. <laughs> so yeah, like... Um, elfin. Yeah, elfin. So 56.25% is a lot closer to 50%, so the exact half-elf point. And this person goes on to say, I believe it is because he had such a high percentage of elf and human in him, in addition to the little bit of Maya that allowed him and his brother to make the choice, in addition to Eärendil going across the sea. But I just thought that was quite interesting. So you have elf and human, but then there's also a little bit of Maya thrown into the mix, which comes from yeah. their ancestries. Yeah. No, I always had one. That's interesting because it's just like, if you have any sort of a percentage and you're not just a thoroughbred elf, basically... <laughs> If you have any sort of a percentage, you get the one. mongrel, isn't that what you said the last day? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's a mongrel. <laughs> He's a mongrel. Well, the mongrels, but you don't know. Yeah, the, I suppose the we know exactly. The we know exactly now. So do you. So, you know these 37, yeah, 37.5% man. Uh, yeah, man. 50 something, 52. 56.25% elf and 6.25% Maya. So from now on, I don't ever want to hear anyone say Elrond half elven. You say Elrond 53. 6.25% El- Elvin. <laughs> no, man. No, just, Elvin, yeah. Just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> yeah, they had to round it down. But yeah, um, that sums up the episode. I do have... Sums up? Uh, just, I, we've just been summing up. Right, yeah. yeah, exactly. We've been doing a lot of mathematical equations here. But I have this part called Elfax. Or it could be Elfax. Elfax. I have four... I have three facts and one final little quote to finish off the episode, if you'd like to hear them. So, the first one is Elrond, his name in Sindarin translates to Stardome, or Elf of the Cave, which is kind of... Uh, I saw another translation that said Cave Fairy or something, so I don't know. I, I got these translations online, so they're facts to me. <laughs> they might be incorrect to you. So, another fact about Elrond is he founded Rivendell. Which is nice. He sure did. And where did he found it? <laughs> he found it under his mattress. <laughs> so uh, another fact is, well, lots of people, lots of people know this, but if you're new to Tolkien and you might be watching the TV show and you see the relationship of Elrond and Galadriel and you think, oh, they're buddy buddy, maybe they'll end up together in the future, but no, Elrond eventually marries who? Celebrian, who is Galadriel's daughter. Mm, exactly, and they have three children together. Could you name these three kids? Elrond's children. Mm. 
Uh, well, Arwen. Yes, Arwen is the, the one, the obvious one. Um, but yeah, the other two, a bit of an enigma. Eladar and Elrohir. Oh, well done. Elrohir and Eladin. Eladin. So, it's Eladin. not Eladin, no. It's, well, it's E-L-A-D-D-A-N. So like Eladin. Are you sure it's not an R at the end? Yes. Elrohir and Eladin, I think. Eladin. I can, I can look it up again. Elrond's children. I'm on fight mode, so I can't Sh- look it up. Children. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, maybe you can look that up while I'm reading out the mm-hmm. final quote. Sure. So the, I, th- I think this would be probably one of Tolkien's greatest quotes describing Lord Elrond, if not one of his greatest quotes overall. And this comes from the book The Hobbit, and it reads, "In those days of our tale." There were still some people who had both elves and heroes of the north for ancestors, and Elrond, the master of the house, was their chief. He was noble and as fair in face as an elf lord, as strong as a warrior, as wise as a wizard, as venerable as a king of dwarves, and as kind as summer. So mm. There you have it, folks. Kind as summer, yeah. Kind as summer, yeah. yeah. And you're right, it's uh, Eladan. Eladan, yeah, but it, I don't know how to say it. Eladan. Eladan. And Jasmine. <laughs> Prince Ali, fabulous he, Ali Ababa. <laughs> Doesn't say fabulous he, does it? I think so. Isn't it? Well, maybe it is. I think so. Let us know, folks. <laughs> Tune in next week for our breakdown on that song by Aladdin. Yeah, we might get into Aladdin and just like talk about Aladdin and Jasmine. So, um, mm. so yeah. Any further questions or shall we leave it there? I think that's good. I think I've... Like, I don't know, my brain is just such a load of mush now with all these family trees. Family trees are no Stuff, joke. Stuff, no. And especially when you get into the mathematical um, equations. Of but it is good <laughs> yeah, to know because, like, I mean, I've always known Elrond, half-elven. But then whenever you see the family tree, you're like, okay, well, on one side, on his father's side, mm. that you're like, okay, everything's fine there. But on the other side, you're like, wait a minute. There's another good thing going on here Maya, as well. Yeah, Maya thrown into the mix there. Yeah, so it gets confusing. It'd be a great quiz question. Mm. What percentage of elf is Elrond? That'd be the nerdiest quiz ever. Yeah, but even just well, even just looking at on his parents when you look at so Erendil, his father is also half elven. So you're kind of going, wait a minute, if he's half elven and then he marries someone, sure Elrond can't be half elven. Yeah, yes, yeah, there has to be some other sort of a combination. So yeah, yeah, unless she. But it all kind exactly of balances itself. It all kind of balances itself out. It's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. This evil cannot be concealed by the power of the elves. We do not have the strength to fight both Mordor and Isengard. My father single-handedly sailed to Valinor and convinced the Valar to join the war and vanquish Morgoth. So great were his deeds that the Valar lifted him beyond the bounds of this world to forever carry the evening star across the sky. But anyways, that's all we have time for today on the Council of Elrond. So guys, thank you so much for listening and let us know what your thoughts on today's episode are by leaving us a comment on YouTube or you can just tweet us at melon underscore heads. Remember that's melon with two L's. And uh, all of our social media links are in the podcast info section so you can see them down there. We're on Facebook, Twitter. So used to say in Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus, but no. Uh, fa- Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and yeah, that's it. 
All the places. All the places. So again, uh, also if you'd like to support myself and Johnny with these podcasts, you can sign up to our Patreon where you'll also get some bonus discussions there and we talk about lots of other nerdy things too. Recently, we've been talking about the House of the Dragon, but who knows what we're going to be talking about next. Mm -hmm. Uh, So thank you to all of our patrons and a special thank you to Jack Knightley. And until next time, guys, Namarie. See you later, guys.